Well, next week is a big deal, and uh, this is your reminder, guys. I, I've got to be perfectly honest with you. This morning, I'm getting ready for church, and uh, Megan and I were kind of just chit-chatting a little bit, and she made the comment, she says, yeah, because, you know, Mother's Day is next week, and I said, no, no, we've got at least a couple of weeks. She said, no, it's next week. I said, oh, crud. Well, that, I didn't say crud. I said something else. But uh, so, guys, remember, if you're like me, uh, guess what? I'm in a panic this week, so don't be like a Brandon. Go be better than me and uh, make plans for mom. And one of those plans should definitely include bring them to church next Sunday because we're going to have a great service, and uh, you will not be sorry that you were here. We've got uh, some really cool things planned. And uh, moms, you know, I know this is a big day for you and, and hope that you will bring the whole family. We're going to have some special photo opportunities and things like that so you can get some great pictures that you can uh, keep. And we're just going to have an awesome, awesome day that week. So that's next Sunday. Don't forget and get your restaurant reservations in now because I'm not going to, we're going to McDonald's that day, I think. So we're gonna <laughs> but I, I'm doing this series called Saints and Struggles. And, and uh, last week we talked about Peter and, and the issue of failure. And today we're, we're going to talk about an, another guy in the New Testament and some of the struggles that he had. And, and one of the things that we're going, to, we're going to talk about today is how do we deal with that tension between I'm following Jesus, but I still have bad days, you know, when things just fall apart. And as I was thinking about, boy, how can we just ease, this is a kind of a heavy topic, so how can we ease into it a little bit. There's just one song, RJ, that I could think of, and I knew that nobody better than this little golden voice to sing it for us. So you know this one, but uh, give it up for RJ as he kind of leads us in today. Thank you. 
You know, they, they played that song every time somebody got kicked off American Idol. I'm like, oh, this would be a bad day. But that's, that's where we're going today. And, and I asked him to sing this song because, you know, life just has a way of, I mean, can we just be real about it? Life has a way of pulling down your pants and just kicking you in the rear end. I mean, just, and when you don't expect it, it's like, I thought I was going to have a great day and you wind up with a bad day. And if you're following Jesus, don't you just think, if I've, I've given my life to Christ, shouldn't everything be at least a little bit easier for me? I mean, can we just, is that too much to ask? Isn't that what being a Christian means? And, and we, when we talked about last week, you know, kind of introducing the topic, saints and struggles. And I know that a lot of people might be thinking, okay, you know, yeah, I, I identify with struggles, but I don't know about the whole saints thing. I, I wouldn't refer to myself as a saint. But when you look at the word saint throughout Scripture in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the word saint, it was to represent God's followers. So you say, well, I'm no saint. That's not me. I'm a struggler, but I'm no saint. And that's what we do. We identify more with what we struggle with than we do our identity in Jesus. It doesn't mean that we're perfect, but it does mean that God is doing a deep work in us. That he's, we're still a work in progress, and that's okay. And this is why I really, really like the tagline to this series, which is, Permission to be honest. You know, can we just be real? I mean, that's our mission here is we want to be real people rooted in Jesus. And honesty is like step one if we're going to be real. So that's, that's what this is all about. How do we do that? We talked about Peter last week. We talked about how we deal with failures. How does God respond toward us when we fail? If you didn't get to catch that message, I really would encourage you to go back online and listen to it. Because I really think it will be encouraging to you. And, uh, but today we look at, uh, we're going to look at the Apostle Paul who wrote uh, most of the New Testament. He's a guy that knew all about having bad days. And you know, Jesus, there were a lot of things that he taught and a lot of things that he's, he's shown us truth. And you know, Jesus, he just never said that whoever does the will of my Father will always get the best parking spots. It's just nothing he ever said. He, he never said, you know, if you lose your life for my sake, then you will look great in your swimsuit. You know, swimming season's coming up. He just, he just never said that. That's not a promise. He didn't say, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and you will not get a zip before prom. I know some of the girls last night, that's what they were worried about and they were focused in that. But Jesus did not say that. And Paul would say, I know that's the truth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he said, I know I sound like a madman. But I have served Jesus far more than most. He says, I've worked harder. I've been put in prison more often. Been whipped times without number and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. This is the guy that wrote over half the New Testament. Three times I was beaten with rods. Yeah, I've been serving God really faithfully. I've gone to all these places and preached his word. But boy, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. These bad things. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. That's like my worst nightmare. I've seen Jaws one too many times. It just sounds horrible. He says, I've traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I've faced danger from my own people. The Jews as well as the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. So I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers, but they're not. These 
hypocrites, these fake Christians that, that want to get close to me and then, and then they have nothing but, but uh, negative intentions. It says, I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. That's a lot of bad days in there. And this is a guy that, I mean, you want to talk about faithfulness and commitment and, and sticking with it through the hard times. You know, I, you just don't get any, I don't know if you get any deeper than the Apostle Paul. He said, I, I, I will suffer again and again and again for the cause of Christ. You think, can't this guy get a break? Maybe once, can he have a good day and, and to be so used by God, surely he gets a pass on the hard stuff. Not at all. I was talking to a guy one time, this has just been a couple of months ago, and the topic came up about following, you know, following Jesus and you know, what that looks like in our life. And, and this guy, he says to me, he says, well, I tried that for a little while, but it, I tried following Jesus for a little while, but it didn't work out for me. And I asked him, I said, well... That sounds a little interesting. What do you mean? How, how did it not work out for you? And he said, well, I, you know, I became a Christian. I, I did what I was supposed to do. And then, like, right after that, my girlfriend broke up with me. And then my truck broke down. And my dog died. It's like the worst country song you've ever heard in your life. And he's like, so just following Jesus did not work for me. And, you know, I thought I was, I was trying to do the right thing. And everything got a little bit harder. Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm a good person. I mean, I, I go to church. I pray. I'm trying to lead my family well. I've, I've surrendered to Jesus, at least to some degree. And yet, you know, and yet I tried to do this and it didn't work out. You know, I asked the girl to prom. She said no. I thought if I follow Jesus that... I'm supposed to get, you know, everything's yes from now on. Or, you know, I got fired from my job. Where was that? That wasn't supposed to, Or I'm working for somebody that, that is, uh, you know, not, not reasonable and, and it makes everything harder in my life. Or, you know, problems at home didn't magically repair themselves. The plumbing backed up. The marriage is, you know, hanging by a thread. The kids are running wild. I thought if I was following Jesus, things were supposed to get a little bit easier. What's, what's up with all this? Jesus said... In John 16, verse 20, he says, I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn over what's going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. He said, you know, we're, we're going to be upset because, or his disciples would be upset because he was going to suffer. He said, but the world's going to rejoice over that. And he goes on, he said, if the world hates me, remember, it's going to hate you too. He says, I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn over what's going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice you will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. That verse grabbed me this week. That line right there. Your grief will suddenly, just like a light bulb coming on, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change. Something's going to be different. It's going to turn to wonderful joy. You know, a lot of in, in the New Testament or throughout Scripture, uh, there's comparisons to things in our life. And one of the comparisons the Bible draws is uh, what it's like for a woman to give birth to a child and the pain that she endures and comparing that to, you know, suffering in the world and different things. And I was thinking about that this week. I have three kids 
And I was there at all three of their grand entrances to the world. And all three of them were different. And, and it's funny how, how if you've ever given birth and, and, you know, watching a woman go through that, so much pain is involved with it. And yet, because of, of the birth, because of the child, the joy that she has, she's not thinking about the pain anymore. It's all about how wonderful the joy is. And with Megan, with our first child, Megan got an epidural. So it was like she had some pain. Then there was no pain. And then there was pain right at the, at the moment. And then with our second child, she was like, give me that again. That was great the first time. And uh, it didn't work. They did it. And for whatever reason, I don't know the medical whatever, but it just didn't work. She felt everything. And uh, it was, it was uh, she went all natural, that one. It's not, not pleasant. And then with our last child, Adeline came so fast uh, she went into labor in the middle of the night. We went into the hospital, and there was no time for an epidural. Actually, this is a fun fact. When Adeline was born, uh, the doctor was actually still at home asleep. He came in, checked her. Oh, you'll be a while. You took a while with your other two. So he went back home, and then Megan's there. It's just she and, she and I in the room, and she's like, go get the nurse right now. And I said, oh, let's not make a fuss. It's okay. And she says, no. You know, it's like, I'm an idiot. I, I really am. If you haven't learned that by now. And, and she's like, she's, she's yelling at me to go get one of the nurses. So I finally, I go up to the nurse's station. I'm like, I went to the nurse's station. I'm like, I'm sorry. I got, if it's not too much trouble, I've got kind of an emotional wife in there. Could you come in and check her out? And so they came in and uh, said, well, let's, let's check. And, and I remember the nurse's eyes got as big as you could. And they looked at each other and they looked at me and they said, the baby's head is there. And I said, oh, no, well, what about the doctor? <laughs> and they said, there's no time for that. And, and the nurses, I'm, I'm making this, this is a true story. I'm not embellishing. And the nurses says, we can't deliver this baby. And I'm like, well, somebody's going to. So they're frantically calling doctors. They're bringing in carts and stuff, and Megan's screaming. And uh, so the nurses refuse, like, they, I guess legally they can't do it. So I delivered Adeline myself. Oh, not all heroes wear capes, <laughs> but I would give that a zero out of five stars. Would not recommend that experience to anybody, and uh, I screamed as much as Megan did, but it was great. <laughs> Jesus goes on to say in verse 22, he says, you have sorrow now. But I will see you again, and then you will rejoice, and no one can rob you of that joy. Nobody can take that away. With a, with a child going through the, the birth process, as much pain as there is, then there's, there's one of the most holy moments, I think, that we experience this side of heaven, which is the moment where the pain has subsided, at least some, and when the mother holds her newborn child, it, it, all the pain's gone. And in that moment, never one time does that mother say it wasn't worth the pain. And she would do it again. She would go through it again for the joy that, that is there. Jesus says, you're going to weep and you're going to mourn. And there are going to be really bad days. There's going to be really difficult days. But your pain will turn to joy. It, something will shift 
and when you continue to walk with Jesus. That's why he says you'll rejoice and no one will be able to rob you of that. No, nobody can take it away. He's saying while you're in the world, you have troubled times. There are going to be bad times. Challenges are certain. Pain is promised. It's not just that you might hurt, but you will. And some of us, we think, well, but today's a great day, and, and I've been having a great year, and things have been going awesome. Th- praise God, that's great. But understand that it's not gonna, you're not going to stay there forever. There's mountaintops and valleys in life, and we go through them all. Jesus says it's inevitable, suffering in the world. Welcome to church. You're glad you're here yet. I'm making you feel really good about how, life, how hard life is, but we have to see this. And we, we have to have permission to be honest about it. I can remember uh, years ago, I mean, I'm going back uh, 10 years probably. I was serving at this church in Illinois. And uh, we uh, were in this small community. And so a lot of the community churches all wanted to get together like once a year. And they would have like this outdoor service. And uh, so we were getting together and planning everything. And I remember there was a, another pastor in another little church that he was going to be the one preaching for that day. And, uh, and, and he gave what I thought was a, a good message, but there was one thing that I'm like, I just, I don't, I don't like that. He, he, he said, he, said uh, he looked at everybody and he said, hey, are you having a good day? And people, you know, oh, yeah. and he says, come on, put a smile on those faces. Everybody put a smile on those faces because it's a good day. And I don't care what you're going through or what's going on. Let's put a smile on your face right now because it's a good day. And I thought, that just doesn't feel right. Some of us are not there. And I don't want to fake it till I try to make it. You know, sometimes I think we've got to be honest. We've got to know, you know, life, life has a way of just beating us up. And are we as followers of Jesus supposed to just be inauthentic? Are we supposed to hide the pain? Are we supposed to pretend that it doesn't exist? I don't think so. And we've got we've to be honest. Jesus never promised that if we follow him that the sun is always going to shine on us and the wind is always going to be at our back. It's just not in there. There's going to be pain, persecution, and problems. And Paul knew all about it. He said, I have served God more than most. And look at what's happened to me. Look at what I've had to go through. Shipwrecked and beaten and prison time and hungry and thirsty and many sleepless nights. And yet Jesus promises, well, there is wonderful joy ahead. There is something that's going to make this that's going to make this worth it. And, and this is the question I, I really want to square off with today is, if we're following Jesus, we've surrendered ourselves. We said, you, you take the, you take the, the wheel, God, you're, you're in control, you're doing whatever, you, and I just want to follow you. Then why do we have to suffer at all? Why can't life just be easy? Why can't he throw us a bone and say, you know what, you're doing it, so I'm going to make things a little bit easier for you. We, we know that heaven is going to be an amazing place, and we look forward to that. But why does life have to be such a struggle? Why, why can't I have a little bit of heaven right now? You know, why, why, why is it that we know that he's going to right every wrong and he'll wipe all the tears from our eyes, but why is it such a grind? Jesus makes a really interesting contrast in John 16, He's talked about how you will have sorrow, but there's joy ahead. And he says, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace. Now listen. That you may have peace in me. Not in circumstances. Not in life. You will have peace in me. 
here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart because I have overcome the world. In me you have peace. In the world you have trials. Focus on me. That's where your peace comes from. You focus on the world, you're going to see nothing but a broken and sin-stained place. And there are going to be problem after problem after problem. I find myself having the same kind of conversations lately with people. We talk about, you know, things going on in the world. And my goodness, can you, can you believe what's happening in Ukraine and how people, the, the violence and the horrible things. And, and not just there, but, I mean, even things that don't make the mainstream news. You see people being persecuted and, you know, just this systematic oppression and, and uh, just horrible things. Why? Why is there so much suffering? And, and then you... Violence in our, in our own neighborhoods, you know, and why is there so, much, so many problems? And, and we know the answer to that. The answer is because the world stinks. Because it's a busted and broken up place and, and sin is, I mean, the perfect creation that God had in mind, sin has fractured that. And, it's, and we have a, a spiritual enemy, Satan. I mean, he's a liar and a thief. And he's, a, he's like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. I mean, that's, if you really want to get to the heart of it, it's because the devil wants to just stick it to all of us. And he wants to destroy the world that God has created. But there's another reason, and I think we see it in Paul's story. There's another reason for pain. It's something that, that God does with how he uses it in our life. Paul's gone through all these problems. He's serving God so faithfully. He just runs into one issue after another. And then he says this, 2 Corinthians 12. He said, so to keep me from becoming proud. He said, so, you know, I, I know I serve God more than most, but to, be, to keep me from getting too big for my own britches, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan. He's being a little dramatic, maybe. A messenger from Satan to torment me. And keep me from becoming proud. And three different times, I begged the Lord to take it away. Have you ever done that? You ever, is there some chronic thing in your life, something that just, why do I have to live with this? And you pray and you pray and you pray and you pray. He said, each time I prayed, God said, my grace is all that you need. My power works best in your weakness. So now, you almost hear him take a breath. Now I, I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. And that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, that's when I'm strong. And we don't know exactly what the, the thorn in the flesh that Paul's referring to. We, we don't know exactly what that was, but we do know that whatever it was, he didn't like it. He didn't want it in his life. He was holding him back from the things that he really wanted to do or wanted to be able to do. It's causing problems for him. And he has begged God over and over again, take this away. I don't want this. I, I don't want to have to go through this. I, I, I wish this wasn't part of me or my life. Three times. Three times I have begged the Lord. And three times God has said no. That's where our faith, that's, that's where our faith is really tested and tried. When you're, when you're walking in something 
that you don't like and you don't want and this isn't comfortable and I want this gone. God, you have the power to do something about this and so I'm asking you, take this away, fix it, straighten it out, whatever. And when God, when, when it's obvious that the, the response is no, it's where a lot of faith, it breaks apart on those rocks. People say, well, then God must not be good. No, he doesn't love me. He doesn't answer my prayer, so I'm not going to bother to pray anymore because, you know, I've seen him answer that prayer. That person that was wrestling with cancer, and they prayed, and they were healed. I'm wrestling with cancer, and I go back to the doctor, and they say it spread. Why, why even bother? God said, my grace is enough for you. In this moment, in this situation, with this issue, he's saying, Paul... You're going to have to place your faith and your trust in me because my grace is enough. You don't need anything else. My power works best through your weaknesses. I'm doing something through you. And when people look at you, Paul, and they see the things that I'm doing through you, there's going to be no other explanation but that it was my work, that it was my power at work. It wasn't your own strength. And this is what Paul's story reminds me of is that bad days, trials, and troubles prepare you for purpose. Nothing is wasted. God is using everything to bring about something. We may not see it. We're focused on the pain. I'm looking at this. I'm looking at this thing that I really don't like. And that's all I can see. And God sees the whole grand picture. He sees what he's working out in this. Do you want to grow stronger do you, do you want to have, I assume we're, we're here, you're here, it's Sunday morning, we're in church. Why are we here? I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm an optimist, but I like to think that the reason that we're all here is because we want stronger faith. Because I want to trust God more, I want to grow in my relationship. Well, then guess what? It does not come through ease and comfort. Anything that's easy in life, you know, it doesn't lead anywhere beneficial there is no there is no easy way there's no you know there's no easy path that leads to growth if you and i if we're you know if we're workout buddies and we're at the gym together what makes us stronger it's not the environment because i'm convinced because i've seen people do this i i'm convinced that there is a there is a significant amount of people they go to the gym, they, they get up, they put their workout clothes on, they drive to the place, they put their music on, their little AirPods, and then they take their phone out and they take a hundred selfies, and then they leave. And they think that, you know, oh man, I'm just getting swole, you know, with my, you know, my selfies. And they think, oh, I was there, I was in the environment, right? I went to, and then they can actually say, oh, I went to the gym today without lying, you know, I was actually there. But, you know, that, that doesn't do anything. There's nothing that happened there. What makes a difference? What changes anything? It's resistance. You've got to put some weight on that bar. When you get the resistance, then something happens. And is it comfortable? No. Is it easy? Never. Does it feel good? No, it's not even fun most of the time. But the destination is worth the journey. Resistance strengthens your faith resistance that's something it's doing something in you it's the struggle where you're being prepared for something in the future 
And that's the problem we have. When we're focused on pain, when I'm focused on my thorn in the flesh, whatever it is, I'm not thinking about anything that lies ahead. Or how God is using this to strengthen me because he sees down the road there's something coming that you need to be ready for. There's something coming that I'm going to use you. You, you, need to, you need to be ready for where I'm getting ready to take you because this is going to be a lot better. So we've got to get, get your eyes up. You know, we say, well, I, I don't see the point. I'm so discouraged. I'm overwhelmed. I'm afraid. Could it be that God's preparation comes packaged as pain? Could God's preparation, what he, what he wants to do in you, where he's getting ready to lead you, could it come packaged as something that's painful? Last week we talked about Peter and failure. Peter is the one who got out of the boat. When Jesus is walking on the water and they seem like, oh, it's the Lord. Peter's the one that hopped out and walked on the water for a little bit with Jesus. What an amazing thing, right? He's focused on the Lord and then he starts sinking. Why? He starts sinking because he, he got scared. He took his eyes off of Jesus. And when he did that, when he lost faith, he sunk. That's a bad day. What did it do, though? How did Jesus use that? It put him in a place where he learned, okay, I need to trust Jesus more. I, I don't want that to happen again. And Peter's a bold guy. He's the one, you know, the night of the crucifixion, they're sitting there at the, the Last Supper. And Jesus says, hey, some of you are going to deny me. And Peter says, not me. Never, even if all these other guys deny you, I will not. I'll go to my grave. I'll do whatever it takes. And then not, not only did, it, did, did he deny him, he did it three times. Deny, deny, deny. And then Jesus reinstates him after the resurrection and validates him with his love and says, you're, you're still called. I still want to use you. Go feed my sheep, all that. But how did God prepare Peter to be the pillar of the church? What did God, how did God use that? How did he use that failure and that shame and that pain that he had to have felt when he thought about his past? Well, how could Peter have spoken so boldly on the day of Pentecost? How could he have preached and thousands of people gave their lives to Jesus? Could it be that God's preparation for us often comes packaged as pain? Paul says, this is why. He says, all these things have happened to me. I've had really bad days. I've been hungry. I've been thirsty. I've been scared. I've been, you know, I've been, I've faced persecution. All these problems. But the reason behind them all in verse 10, he says, this is why, this is why I take pleasure in my weaknesses. This is why I can keep my head up. This is why I, I find, I find what I need. And in the insults and the hardships and the persecutions and the troubles that I suffer for Christ, for when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. Isn't that a contradiction? When I'm weak, then I'm strong because we're being made strong. Because God never wastes a hurt. There's nothing that you're walking through today that, that there isn't some part of it that God is redeeming and using to help you to grow and mature and to be prepared for what's down the road. Some things happen to us because the world is just a terrible, horrible, sinful place. But even those sinful things, God can redeem them to grow us and do something in our lives. Your faith is being tested and proven and you're being prepared for a purpose. Jesus said you have sorrow now, but then you will rejoice. 
the light bulb that changes. You will have sorrow now, but you will rejoice. It will be turned to wonderful joy. It's so hard to trust. I know that it is. I know that this, it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to live it. When you're right in the middle of the pain, when you're right, you're right there, the moment when you feel stressed and, and broken down and feels like life is never going to be good again. You know, it's not going to be the same again. But that is when the, the words of Jesus, you think the red letter words, right? The words of Christ, that's when they move from being just some nice little inspirational saying that we, you know, put on a background of a field of daisies and share it on my Facebook page to just brighten someone's day. That's when it moves from that to the bread of life, where he is all that I need. He is, he is my strength and, and the source of all things. Whom have I in heaven but you? That's when it changes. And we know that following Jesus isn't about having life the way you want it on earth. Uh, it, it's actually about denying yourself and taking up your cross and dying to follow God. The, the good news is not that Jesus delivers you from your pain. The good news is that God delivers you from your sin. That's where our focus has to stay. He's never promised to deliver me from this. He's, delivered, he's promised to deliver me from my sin so that I might be forgiven and restored and one day I will go to him and live life eternal. This world is temporary. It's passing. It is fading away. That's why Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. For I have overcome the world. In the world you will have heartache. You will have pain. You will be rejected. You will cry yourself to sleep sometimes at night. But in Christ, you can have a peace that goes beyond human understanding. It's not fake. It's not, hey, let's all put on a smile and pretend that everything's good. If that's what we're doing, we're not doing anybody any favors, most of all ourselves. Let's have permission to be honest. Bad days, they, they, they come. They, they're real. But can we just draw hope from the words of Christ and the, and the words of Paul saying, I know that in my weakness, I know that in those moments, God is using them to help to make me strong. And you know, if you need somebody to talk to, to maybe, maybe you're having a bad day or maybe you've had a bad day or something's going on in your life, you just need somebody to talk to or you, you want somebody to pray with you, we're going to leave here in just a moment. And in the lobby, you see the wall that says next steps. We'll have some staff and volunteers there that uh, they would love to pray with you. Or if you've got questions about following Jesus, they'd love to, to talk to you. But let me pray for all of us, and then we'll be dismissed. Lord, I know that there are days that we all walk through that we just don't know. We don't know uh, what the purpose is. And we certainly don't see anything good. Help us in those moments to hang on to you. Lord, help us to cling to our faith and, and, and to draw strength from your spirit. I know, Lord, that you use all things. You're using the good and the bad and, and everything to help mold us and to shape us. Help us to be committed to that process. Remind us that the, the destination is worth the journey. Help us to hang on. And Lord, I pray that by your spirit that you would comfort us, 
I know that you are a God who promises to give us peace and you promise to comfort us in all of our troubles and all of our sorrows. So we, we, ask that, we ask that you would help us to receive that from you. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. I'll see you next Sunday.